probability that one or more team members may be infected by intruder organism. 75%. If intruder organism reaches civilized areas, entire world population infected 27,000 hours from first contact. Welcome back to the Thing Minute Podcast, where we discuss John Carpenter's 1982 science fiction horror masterpiece, The Thing, one minute at a time. I'm Harper W. Harris from HarperWHarris.com, and joining me again today is... Uh, Mike Cummins from Tarantino Minute Podcast and TwoOldMedia.com. Awesome. So thanks for coming back, man. Yeah, of course. So today we're talking about Minute 87. So uh, that begins with... Uh, the test for Gary about to happen, and then it ends a minute later with a child staring out of a dark blue window uh, guarding the exit to the base. So, um, yeah, so uh, if yesterday's minute was uh, kind of a subtle break in tension and (laughs) comedic relief, um, this one is like the very obvious uh, comedic relief, I think. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, when, when we start, we do Gary's test, which is obviously negative, and um, I do love the the shot of that we hold on of uh, Nalls and Mac and Childs as they just finish the test. And Mac especially looks very like, oh, uh, like, I guess he wasn't it. <laughs> <laughs> he looks very like kind of guilty, like, uh, sorry about that, Gary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Windows looks like just confused. It's like, wait a minute. Like, what do you mean that Gary is not the guy? He had access to the blood. Like, how is that possible? Right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, which brings up some questions, I guess, about you know who who did mess with the blood, um, and that that's one of the kind of that's one of the kind of deeper mysteries of the movie, I think, because obviously in this scene we've tested Copper and uh, and Gary, both the people who were you know under suspicion at that point in the movie, and neither of them were infected. So, and, and that was quite a while back. Um, you know, there's been some time jumps too. So, you know, you it, you couldn't even really necessarily argue that you know they were they had gotten infected, but they weren't totally taken over or something like that. Like it's been like, I think two days or so since then. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I'm, I don't really have a good answer for that. I don't think because neither of them were infected and supposedly they're the only two with access, but I guess there's the whole thing with the, uh, those keys being dropped. You know, I think, uh, we talked about it a long, long ways back that, uh, windows drops the keys when he sees Bennings being assimilated. And so, you know, a, a you know, I guess at some point, anybody who's assimilated at that point could have grabbed those keys and gotten to the blood while all that was happening with Bennings. But it's, uh, you know, it's hard to hard to guess who that might be because everybody's pretty involved in that whole Bennings situation. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they could have been lifted, but yeah, like you said, it's just everybody's everybody's in this. So there's I wouldn't see why anybody would have done that. But I don't know. What yeah. do I know? <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's a tricky thing too because, you know, at that point too, nobody had really thought about the blood being an important, you know, piece of the puzzle. Like what, you know, unless the thing, that's why it seems seems clear that, you know, if Copper wasn't infected, he seems like the one who might have done it because he's the only one who would have known that the blood would be important to, you know, figuring out who's who. 
but yeah, obviously he was not infected. So who knows? It's just mm. one of those, one of those things that, you know, Carpenter, I love, I love that kind of Carpenter himself likes to just kind of joke around about the fact that, you know, it's not possible to follow like a, um, a linear, you know, path and figure out who's infected. Like there's no like definitive answer to this question, <laughs> to any yeah, of these he, questions. He's even saying, it's like, I don't know who, I don't know if Childs is a thing or not. I'm just, I, mean, I just made the movie. I don't know. Right. <laughs> Which is kind of awesome. I mean, you know, the whole movie's about, you know, I think the leaving the mystery vague and, and leaving it, you know, not knowing who's who is really obviously the key to this movie. So, you know, having the director not even know exactly what's happening is is pretty important to why this movie works, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, we get that shot of the, the three of them looking kind of confused or guilty or whatever. And then uh, then we get, of course, what's uh, one of the most memorable lines in the whole movie from uh, from Gary. Who is uh, who's very calm? I didn't realize how long it is before we cut back to him while he's saying this line, uh, which kind of makes it even funnier when we do cut back to him. So this this long line where he says, uh, "You know, I, I know you gentlemen have been through a lot, but when you find the time, I'd rather not spend the rest of this winter tied to this fucking couch." <laughs> <laughs> uh, which, the best act break of all time. Yes, which is like oh, that cut cut to black. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Uh, like I said, if yesterday didn't make you laugh, this one definitely does. Um, you know, the the once or twice uh, that I've had a chance to see this in in theaters, this is definitely like the the big laugh of the entire movie. I think oh, yeah. one, this and the uh, you've got to be fucking kidding me are definitely the two uh, two big ones. <laughs> I love the shot after he says that, where he's just sitting there, just and there's I I think the beauty of the shot is that he's like he's freaking out because he's not the thing, and he's not like freaking out, I guess, but. He's tied to a fucking couch. <laughs> and then in the background is just the two bodies still just like laying there and everything else is fine. Like he's fully composed, I feel like, except for being tied to a couch. I just love that the fact that there's always the, the two bodies in the background are always just there, like omnipresent. Yeah, which really, is really kind of a a, uh, a bummer on every shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like anytime you, you kind of forget what the stakes are, you're like, oh, yeah, those two characters who were like, you know, <laughs> hanging around with us for the rest of the movie are just dead back there dead and tied up just in case you know they they decide to come back to life as a as a monster uh so yeah kind of puts a damper on everything every time you see those bodies sitting there in the background (laughs) oh yeah um but yeah that is kind of it's a pretty funny shot too just of uh you know it's again it's him almost in time out again but after he's you know, he's made his his big point and he's still like they still haven't moved to untie him, which is, you know, for whatever reason. And he's just kind of you can tell he just yelled and he's kind of like sitting back like, OK, you know, let's let's take it easy. <laughs> yeah. Now that I've got that out. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's a perfect act break. We get another one of these fade outs that we've we've talked a lot about. Um, that's a l- little old fashioned for uh, for the time this movie came out, but works in, in a very kind of classic horror movie way to kind of break up the movie and, and pace things. And, uh, yeah, and it's, this is, <laughs> I, I've noticed, I never thought about this watching the movie just kind of, you know, for fun, but watching it for the podcast, um, you really notice how many times that these guys think that the threat is over and then they suddenly realize that Blair is still around <laughs> mm-hmm. or, or that Blair is missing or that, you know, there's like three or four times in the movie where they're like, ah, like, okay, we've got this sorted out. We've got everybody, you know, everybody who we thought was a thing is gone Ah, let's breathe a breathe a breath of relief, and then we're like, um, "Oh yeah, where's Blair?" <laughs> uh, Wilford Brimley. It's always uh, throwing a wrench into things here. We talk a lot on we well, we did talk a lot on um, on Reservoir Dogs about how 
it feels like you, we, when we did that minute by minute, I used to love restaurant dogs. And then we, <laughs> I like how you say that. <laughs> when we watched it, man, we so at the beginning we were all pumped up to do it. We're like, oh yeah, Reservoir Dogs, sweet Tarantino, let's do it. And then like halfway through the movie, we're just like, man, this is not fun. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm feeling so claustrophobic. I've been in this warehouse the entire movie, and I feel like this this act breaked into you know uh, child's like looking out the window mm-hmm. is like a breath of fresh air. Where it's like, man, I can finally. I don't have to be on the edge of my seat anymore with this like blood test or anything. I can finally like sit back and like take it easy for just a second until, you know, McCready comes in and he's like, Hey, I gotta go look for Blair. It's like, ah, shit. Right. (laughs) More Blair. Right. So yeah, does Reservoir Dogs not have one of these kind of clean act breaks where you get to kind of relax for a second? (laughs) Barely, barely ever happens. Like the deleted scenes of them is like, they should have, they should have been in the movie. Because it gives you like a breath of fresh air because you get to go outside and not be stuck in the morgue. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think uh, that's one thing I've, I've kind of learned. Uh, you know, if, if I was, a, you know, trying to be a screenwriter, I think doing the, a minute by minute podcast is probably a and, and doing it on a, a movie that's very well paced and written and everything and edited would be a really good way to learn. So that's so because I feel like I've learned a lot about how, you know, kind of the more subtle reasons why this movie really works the way it does. And and a lot of that has to do with the kind of the break breaking up of the scenes and, you know, the way that this kind of works. And this is a great example. Like we said, it really does kind of, you know, it, it's a very clean break between act two and act three. And it does kind of, you know, lets you relax for a minute before you move into, because, you know, I, I think, you know, a movie like uh, Mad Max is a rare movie where you can, you know, keep that tension going almost consistently throughout the entire movie oh yeah um but generally it works best to have you know that kind of moment of relief where you can kind of get your bearings and you know because if it's just constant scare and craziness and tension you know one after another um you know you kind of lose sense of what the stakes are or you know why you really care and and at that point i think it becomes more of like a um you know a stereotypical slasher where you're just kind of waiting to see how the next person gets killed yeah yeah and this movie is not that at all. Like you're constantly reminded of why that the stakes are bigger than what these guys are seeing just personally here. And that, um, and you know, that there's, there's a lot going on under the surface that they're trying to figure out, which instead of just trying to survive, which really, you know, makes it a much more interesting movie. I think. I agree. It's like, you know, big laugh, fade to black, change scenery. Perfect. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm in for like the, I'm in to power through the rest of this movie is like the way I always see it. Yeah. Let's see. I need flares, a parka, kerosene, dog food. Wow, who knew moving to an Antarctic base would be so expensive? And I haven't even started looking for roller skates and giant hats yet. It's a good thing I'm using Amazon so I can get the best price and get this stuff fast. And since I'm using thethingminute.com slash Amazon, a small portion of my purchase goes to help The Thing Minute to help support the podcast. Now, if I can just get some of the listeners to use the thingminute.com slash Amazon, I might just be able to afford that flamethrower. Yeah, so we, as we move on after that fade to black, we get um, this shot that's kind of interesting um, as we move up to basically the camera's kind of uh, pushing in towards uh, towards Childs um, as he's kind of guarding that entrance, I guess. He's still got his flamethrower on and everything. And um, it's interesting because it is a it's a you don't really realize this at first, but as you as the shot goes on, you hear footsteps and you kind of start to realize that this is a point of view shot, but you have no idea who 
whose point of view we're looking through, which is kind of interesting, um, given that, like we've been saying, that this is sort of, uh, you know, a break in the tension. But it is kind of a creepy shot because it's, you know, it's basically somebody creeping up on child slowly and you don't mm-hmm. know who it is, uh, which you get a lot of that in this movie where either either because you're in the perspective and you don't know or, um, you know, you can't tell who it is because they're wearing all this winter gear that covers their faces and everything. Um, it's, it's a trick that the thing pulls a lot and is that, you know, you're kind of not 100% sure who you're looking at all the time, which just sort of makes you maybe uh, unconsciously uncomfortable, which, uh, you know, it's just one of those little tricks I think that works really well. I never even thought about that. That's a great point because a lot of points in the movie, we go, wait, who are we talking about? Is that Childs I'm looking at or is mm-hmm. it McCready I'm looking at? I don't know. But yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. And um, yeah, the this shot too of uh, where we see kind of the setup of this kind of, uh, I guess, I don't know what you call it, like an ante room, like the, you know, the room right before you go outside where the coats are hanging and stuff. This will become really, really important uh, in, I think, our last minute of the week in minute 90. Um, there's some really uh, pretty interesting theories about uh, that play into the end of the movie about these jackets and this this room. So, um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get into that a little bit more later in the week. But th- that this shot is very, I don't know, the way it, sh- it very purposely kind of shows the whole room, I think maybe is, uh, is important. So... We'll, uh, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> but um, I did want to mention that in the script, speaking of deleted scenes with uh, Reservoir Dogs, in the script, that whole uh, scene with Gary at the beginning of this minute is a little bit different um, in that they go one step further. And instead of just having three guys with flamethrowers uh, on him, they also douse him in gasoline before they do his test. Jesus. Which, <laughs> right? <laughs> which is like really intense <laughs> like like they really think that he's he's the guy but yeah. wow, that's insane <laughs> and i mean i guess i don't know that they really have that much reason to suspect him but i guess they do have a lot of a, a pretty good reason to be concerned that just having flamethrowers is maybe not enough <laughs> considering Especially what it was just like, happened. like with mccready with like i can't get it started right yeah I mean, mccready's flamethrower in particular is very uh picky about when it decides to work and not so uh, yeah, I guess they they wanted any any reason any uh, you know help they could get just in case. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, but, so he's dousing gasoline, and the other big difference is that um, after <clears throat> after Gary says his line, instead of it just being that kind of moment of silence fade to black, uh, Childs actually starts to get the giggles, which seems <laughs> very out of character for Childs. Um, but uh, he started starts to get the giggles, and uh, even McCready kind of breaks a smile. And uh, Knowles is like not having any of it. He's like telling them to shut up. But um, it's kind of a, a, a more kind of obvious, um, you know, comedic moment where even the characters break a little bit. And then in that scene, Mac uh, realized he, he says, uh, I think he just says like Blair dot, dot, dot. And then, you know, they cut to this. So um, but yeah, so I think the, the way they did it is a much more clean break to that act three where, where we don't really think about Blair until we cut into that next shot. It's like if they all if you're if this, if they're saying that Childs and McCready are like supposed to like be like kind of like laughing at the end of that scene, like it'd be like a it's like in my mind's eye it's like a it's almost like a like a sitcom where it's like oh, <laughs> oh look at us and they just like just like shove each other da, da, and da, like da, oh da. oops <laughs> <laughs> like that that would have been silly I'm I'm happy they filmed it this way yeah well and it just you know. For for Childs and McCready, that's just very out of character. Like these are both like 
very kind of angry, serious dudes. Like I, I think it would take away a little from them to see them kind of, you know, giggling or breaking a smile like that, especially given, yeah. I mean, you know, we want to break the tension a little bit here, which I think the line and those, those kind of shots do very well, but we don't want to break the tension that much. <laughs> yeah. like, like there's still some, some scary stuff to, to happen uh, shortly that we don't want to like totally throw you out of that mood. <laughs> yeah. So I like that. I think that they, uh, I think uh, Carpenter made the right choice with uh, making those changes. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, basically we get a, uh, we're, we're going to go test Blair. So, you know, we kind of, again, we realized that, you know, we're not quite done. The nightmare is not a hundred percent over. Um, and given how Blair acted the last time we saw him, um, you know, you think these guys would be like, uh, yeah, let's all go out there all with our flamethrowers because, he was acting real weird before <laughs> and now we have a definite way to test whether he is or isn't a thing. So, um, but it's, uh, Mac decides to leave Childs at the, at the outpost, I guess, to just guard the door in case something happens. I don't, I don't know whether he's, I don't know who he thinks is going to come bursting in through that door. Exactly. Um, whether he thinks Blair, you know, might be up to something outside or whether, I don't know whether McCready maybe thinks there's some other thing still running around. I'm not sure. The titular thing comes through the door. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple points in the movie when you can argue that maybe a piece of the thing escaped, uh, you know, either between the dogs or, or um, maybe not with Palmer, but either with the dogs or with Norris, maybe a piece of, of that somehow got away and, and is out, out there. But um, yeah, I, I don't get the impression that the characters really think that. I feel like they're they're pretty confident that they know what's going on at this point and they've got a handle on the situation. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess, well, I guess, you know, like McCready warns him, just he says, you know, it's him and Nalls and Gary are going to go run the test on Blair. And I guess he's just saying if if they come back, if Blair comes back without them, you know, take him out. So I guess it's just a, a fail safe in case, you know, all three of them get taken out by Blair uh, and, and he's assimilated. So they're, they're taking some serious precautions at this point. <laughs> I would have thought that they should have gone in twos. And so three people going to find Blair, it would have just been two people, you know. So been, you know, Gary and McCready and then Nalls and Childs or, you know, any combination of them. Mm-hmm. So you always have another person watching another person. Yeah. And I guess I, I guess the only reason they don't is maybe at this point they're just they're so confident that the four of them are not infected, that they're not really worried about it. But it's not just I mean, you're right. It's not just you don't need somebody to watch your back just in case they are the thing you also just need somebody to watch your back in case you get attacked <laughs> exactly like, just so in a more like else could take care of the thing right yeah just in a more traditional sense like you know you can't have your eyes everywhere and and plus you know um part of that that theory that we'll get into later uh, involves the fact that childs looks pretty tired here like he's kind of he, it almost I don't, I don't necessarily think he is but it almost looks like he's kind of starting to doze off a little bit when mccready walks in and and uh you know starts talking to him um and, you know, these guys have, you know, based on the timeline that we're, we've kind of got in the movie, these guys have been awake for like two or three days um, yeah. and under like an insane amount of stress. So, you know, it's definitely probably worthwhile to have somebody else there with you just in case, <laughs> uh, you know, because you might, you know, doze off or you might, you know, see something that's not there just because you're kind of, you know, from sleep deprivation or something. But yeah, it seems like it'd be a good idea to to split the group in half rather than to send all three of them up to the base. I, I agree. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I think that that covers kind of everything I had in my notes. Did you have anything else you wanted to mention for minute 87? No, I'm all good. 
Cool. So, um, yeah, I think that'll wrap this one up. But um, listeners, don't forget that you can always check us out on Facebook and Twitter at The Thing Minute. So um, you can join in the conversation there. Tell us, uh, you know, tell us your thoughts about uh, who's assimilated, what uh, what Childs is expecting to come through that door. Uh, you know, tell me if you say Buana in your everyday life and, and I'm just totally wrong about this. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, get involved. I love it when, uh, when people kind of join the conversation and everything there. So, um, definitely do that, but, uh, don't forget to come back tomorrow for another episode of the thing minute. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to the thing There you'll find the show notes with links to anything we talked about on this episode and lots of other resources on the thing. You can also find us on Twitter at The Thing Minute and on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Thing Minute. But most importantly, subscribe, rate, and review us in iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. Check out other podcasts like this at moviesbyminutes.com and be sure to head over to starwarsminute.com to listen to the team that started it all. Thanks for listening, and until next time, this is Harper signing out. (laughs) 